Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hannah, very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon as it seems as though summer has arrived in Johannesburg. Beautiful to be here this afternoon in such a such a beautiful day, Wednesday afternoon. It is Judaism 101.9. It's Rabbi Michael Katz here to spend some time chatting with you about things that matter to us as Jews from a Jewish point of view on our program, Judaism 101.9. And um, last week we gave you a uh, full, I hope, um, uh, rundown on the month of Elul and particularly focusing on the three realms of Elul, the three rungs, if you wish, on the ladder as we climb towards the high holy days, um, one being how we relate to ourselves, two being our relationship with the Almighty, and three being our relationship with other people. And captured, as we did mention there, in the three different expressions of um, our connection with God that we all enumerate every year on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and we will again this year, where we say, Tshuva, Tfila, and Tzedakah, Ma'avir Ezra We talk about Tshuva, we talk about return or repentance, we talk about Tfila, prayer, and we talk about Tzedakah being the idea of charity, and those being the three realms, really, that we are meant to be involved with in this month of Elul, which is Teshuvah, getting back to where we should be, and that's working on ourselves, introspection, correcting our faults, making sure that we are ready and prepared come Rosh Hashanah to face the new year and to really be in the right position from a spiritual point of view. Tfila in working on our relationship with the Almighty, because as we mentioned, the idea of a relationship with God is not a one-way street. It is not all about I ask and God delivers. And thirdly, when we talk about tzedakah, the acts of kindness, of goodness, that um, we need to do and we need to work on between ourselves and our fellow men is not just about putting coins into a charity box or giving uh, charity to those who are in need, but rather doing acts of kindness to others. There are people who need spiritual upliftment. There are people who need a smile. There are people who need a phone call. There are people who need some kind of a comfort in a difficult time. And so we have Teshuvah, Tefillah, and Tzedakah, um, which we hope on Mavir Roa Hagzeira that they will take away the badness, the negativity, the sadness, the terribleness of bad decrees that could, God forbid, befall us in our uh, coming year. And um, I think that everybody will agree that we could do with a, a bit of a better year come Rosh Hashanah this year. And we are told that, in fact, it depends on uh, a lot on our posture during this month of Elul, our tshuva, our tfila, our tzedakah and how they can be mavir, how they can push away any negative decrees. Today I'd like to spend some time, if we can, on our program thinking about our, let's call it, the vertical relationship, the relationship between ourselves and the Almighty. It has been spelled out as being anila dodi dodi li, I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me, the love relationship, the bond of love that exists between us and God, between God and us. And, of course, 
We also know that it comes to the time of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We bless each other that we should have a happy and a sweet year, that we should be written into the good books. We wish each other that we should have all the things that you've hoped for and all the things that you've praised for, prayed for and all the things that you wish that God should should shower upon you. May they come true and may they be showered upon you in abundance. We hope and we pray for all of these things, realizing and recognizing that all of these things, all of these blessings come from the Almighty. But the big question that perhaps we need to pause and ask ourselves is, why do we deserve it? What are the reasons why we can have, in inverted commas, the chutzpah, the cheek, the goal of it all, to ask the Almighty to uh, deliver us? And we're quite upset if he doesn't uh, to deliver us the best, um, both financially materially, physically, as well as spiritually in the coming year. What is it about our relationship with the Almighty that warrants that God should give us so much? And when we um, kind of drill down and take a look at our relationship with the Almighty, perhaps we need to focus and spend some time discussing how exactly it is that that relationship with God works. What is our relationship with the Almighty? What is the actual status of each and every one of us, of each and every individual, of each person with God? What is our relationship? So we've used the terminology. We know we're the children of the Almighty. We're God's chosen people. We've got all of these um, phrases and accolades and so on. But what do they actually mean? And when we think about it, our uh, sages have taught us in a very, very succinct fashion that we need to actually think of three very relevant, different relationships that we could have with God. And do each and every one of them warrant that God needs to look after us? Relationship number one is, are we or should we not view ourselves as being the servants, the slaves of the Almighty. Has God employed us as his workers, as his slaves? Is God this great, um, let's call it, benevolent ruler who um, takes each and every one of us who are his um, servants, his slaves? And we often talk about our relationship with God in that term. We talk about, and we're going to speak about it on Yom Kippur, for instance, where we talk about the avodah, the service. This whole idea of having a servile or service mentality is really something that is well-founded in the liturgy of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and Yom Kippur particularly. And, of course, throughout the year, we see ourselves perhaps as slaves or Do we actually view ourselves, instead of being slaves, rather as being um, workers, paid workers, laborers? Are we here to do a job and that we are therefore entitled to a reward? God is paying our wages. Are we working and deserving of the salary that the Almighty has for us? And a third possible way of looking at it all is that perhaps our relationship with God is one actually of being partners. Are we or are we not the partners to the to and with the Almighty? Is God our partner in this world? 
And perhaps when we analyze each one of these three strata, each one of these three levels and possible terms of relationship with the Almighty, we will get to a better understanding of what it actually is that in inverted commas God owes us. Because it's almost as though we come along to God, come Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and in these days before, and there's almost the expectance of reward, this expectance of God to give us um, a, a, a showering of blessings. We daven for it, we pray for it, we hope for it. Do we have the right to have those things just dished out to us? Or are we asking a little bit too much? And perhaps if we think about ourselves in terms of are we slaves or are we paid, hired workers or are we partners, let's take a look and see in the course of the next uh, half an hour or so on our uh, Judaism 101.9 as to what the different strata actually are, what we can expect and why we can expect for God to actually reward us in the way that we demand, in the way that we actually uh, think we are deserving. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So we've been talking about our need for God to reward us or our demands for God toward us, to reward us. And as we um spending some time here on Judaism 101.9 here with Rabbi Michael Katz this afternoon, and we are thinking about the days of Elul and the build-up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we do make certain demands. We do expect certain rewards. We expect God to take care of us. We expect that we're going to have a good life. We expect that we're going to have food to eat and that we're going to have successful and healthy relationships and that we're going to have a roof over our heads and we're going to be well looked after. And we're pretty upset when um, a plague comes along, a pandemic, and it kind of knocks us off our pedestal and takes us to a completely different level of um, being and of thinking and so on. Um, some for the better, some for the worse. And here we are thinking about our right to that reward. And as we said before the break, there are actually three possible strata. There are three possible levels upon which we can view our relationship with the Almighty. And let's take a look at the first one. Are we God's slaves? And if we're God's slaves, what right do we have to then be looked after and cared for? Well, if we take a look at the concept of slavery in Judaism, in Torah itself, perhaps um, it is a complete redefining of what the concept of a slave actually is um, in, uh, you know, kind of the world gave slavery a really, really bad rap, a really bad name, because there was the abuse of slaves, the idea of slaves being um, inhuman or being uh, worked, God forbid, to death. Um, this certainly was not any way part of what the concept of slavery was in Judaism. There was always the idea that if anybody had to be sold into slavery and the selling into slavery um, for a slave was if um, a slave was unable to pay his dues, he was unable to pay 
his rent. He was unable to pay for what he owed the master. The master was entitled to get the payment in a way of, it's called slavery, but it was work. And there were not only rights and duties, but there were obligations upon the master to look after his slaves, to care for them. The slaves had to be treated properly. And so much so that the Torah even tells us that, um, and it's a quote directly from the book of Dvarim, for it's beneficial for him together with you, where it talks about the master being obligated to make his Hebrew slave or his Hebrew maid equal to himself. This applied, we're told, to food, drink, clothing, and dwelling. In other words, Torah was telling us that the master was not allowed to eat fine bread and give coarse bread to his slave. He was not allowed to drink aged wine and give the slave new wine. He was not allowed to sleep on soft sheets, pillows, and so on, and have the slave sleep on straw. When you acquired a Hebrew slave, the Talmud tells us, you acquire a master. And isn't that interesting that, in fact, when we think about the concept of being a slave, that the Talmud uses the terminology of the fact that the slave and the master are kind of interchangeable. The one sort of dominates over the other. Taking upon yourself the slave or taking a slave upon yourself was uh, tantamount to taking upon yourself the uh, not only the benefits but all the obligations of looking after the slaves correctly and properly. Now, I'm not sure if this was meant to be there as a discouragement to ever take slaves upon yourself but because it's clearly a part of Jewish law, but certainly it teaches us something about the concept of slavery when we think about ourselves being slaves. And, you know, Jews very often think about the obligations of Judaism as being, I don't know, rigmarolish, uh, difficult for us. Um, it's a heavy yoke. For us to bear, there are those who talk about, you know, this is the, uh, the, the hardship of being Jewish and so on, that it's, it's heavy on, upon our shoulders and it's something that's very, very heavy that we need to do all the time. You know, you could just quite as easily look at all of that as being an absolute privilege. Uh, the things that we sometimes term we think of as being um, a terribly, terribly difficult and heavy upon us are the most liberating things of all. There's the classic old story of uh, the bird who uh, in the Garden of Eden um, was startled at the fact that it seemed to have this most peculiar body. It was constructed in such a way whereby it looked so different from many of the other animals who were created on the same day as it was. And here it had these two legs and it had these big, heavy things that it had to carry around with it. These two big, heavy things that were mounted on its back. And it complained, the story goes, to the Almighty and said, what are these big, heavy things that you have placed upon me? And why can't I just be like the other animals who don't have them? And the Almighty says, uh, take them and flap them. And as you flap them, they will lift you up. They're your wings. Those are the things by which you can fly.
So it depends on how we view them. Do we look at the wings? Do we look at the things that are given to us to enable us to reach beyond, to enable us to fly, to enable us to grow, to enable us to be exactly what we would like to be and to enable us to make our lives exactly the way that we would love them uh, to actually pan out? Or do we look at them as burdens? How do we look at this concept of slavery? Is the slavery a slavery at all? Or is it actually a real, real privilege to be called a slave, an evet, a servant of God? You know, one of the greatest servants of all times was, and uh, the classical example of a servant, was the great servant of Abraham Avinu, of Abraham, Abraham's servant. He's called an evet, and he's proud to pronounce himself. That's how he defines himself. He defines himself as an evet. I'm a slave. I'm a servant. What does it mean that I'm a servant? It means that I'm actually an absolute and complete representative of my master. I don't kind of have a, a way of thinking of my own. I think just like my master. I don't have a way of behaving on my own. I behave just like my master. My master, the great Abraham Avinu, Abraham, our forefather. He is the one that I am proud to call my master, and I'm his evid. Now, that speaks volumes of this kind of relationship. The relationship between an evid, a slave, and his master is similar to our relationship with God Almighty, perhaps, that we are his slaves. But what does it mean that we're his slaves? It doesn't mean that we are punished and whipped and uh, treated poorly and uh, made to sleep in dungeons and uh, bound and shackled hand and foot. No, that's not what our slavery is truly all about. It is about putting ourselves in a mindset whereby we are completely and absolutely committed to what it is that God wants from us, that we're prepared to do whatever the Almighty will require from us without question, without thinking, without applying our own rational thought to it and doing it in a way whereby we are similar to slaves in the classical sense. But the great obligation of the Almighty to his slaves is that just like a master has to make sure that the slaves are treated properly, that they are well-fed, that they are given all the blessings of food and clothing and housing, sustenance and so on, that that is the obligation of the Almighty. And so even if we are slaves, there is a obligation, there's an obligation on the Almighty, on God Almighty, to look after us, to care for us, to nurture us, to bless us, and to give us all the wonderful things for the year ahead. So, you look at yourself as a slave, not such a bad result in the way that we can demand and that we can have, as we said before, the chutzpah to say, God, you owe us. You need to take care of us. We are your slaves. What about if we are employees? What about if we are God's employees? Now here, if we take a look in uh, the parishes that we are reading at the moment in the book of Deuteronomy, we're told when you enter your fellow's vineyard as an employee, you may eat your fill of grapes at your desire. When you enter the standing crop of your fellow, you can pluck grain with your hands. And what does this mean? Our sages tell us that workers who are employed in processing produce of the earth 
it hasn't yet reached its final desired state, the employer is commanded to allow them to eat from the produce that they're working with. Now, this is absolutely apart from what is owed um, by the employee for his employment. There is an obligation on the employer to not only pay the wages, but there's an obligation on the employer to feed the workers, to make sure that they're taken care of properly. You know, when we sit down, as we did a number of months ago already, to our Pesach Seder, one of the first things that we do at the Pesach Seder is we say a strange little prayer in Aramaic, a strange part of the Haggadah is said in Aramaic, where we say, Hey, Lachma Anya, we talk about this bread of affliction, as everybody knows it, uh, the bread of poverty, this po- poor man's bread. This is what we are eating tonight. And of course, we're talking about the matzah. Now, there are those who tell us that in fact, what is going on here is that in a sense, the balabayit, the person conducting the seder, the owner of the house, the home, the table at which the people are now all seated for the Pesach seder, is offering some kind of an apology. He is saying, you know, I know that I should be feeding you proper bread. I know that I should be giving you all the luscious and delicious foods, <coughs> excuse me, of uh, chametz and all the things that we really usually have on our Friday night Shabbat or Yom Tov tables. But sadly tonight, I can only give you this poor man's bread. And uh, if you're prepared to stay, please stay. There are going to be a lot of spiritual delights. There are going to be a lot of other things. But unfortunately, tonight on the menu is the poor man's bread. And because of the fact that it's uh, we're not allowed to eat unleavened and so on, or rather leaven, we've got to eat only unleavened at the Pesach Seder. This is a form of an apology to those who are gathered at the table. And we're told that it all comes from this kind of obligation that we're talking about to our workers. Because there is an obligation that when you have people working for you, when you have particularly Jewish people working for you, you cannot treat them as though they're not members of your family. If you're sitting down to a lavish lunch, you've got to give them a lavish lunch. If you're sitting down to a great dinner, your workers have to be given a great dinner. You can't feed them scraps. You can't give them and tell them to uh, help themselves from uh, uh, scraps that you may have left over and so on. No, 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 no. When it comes to our employees, we've got to look after them properly. They need to be fed if they're working on a job in your home, in your house, in your business, and so on. And this, in fact, is the same obligation that we believe that God is obligated in when we talk about ourselves perhaps as God's employees. God has given us a job to do. He's asked us to come into this world to do his mitzvot, to learn his Torah, to keep his Shabbat, to keep kosher, to do all the things that he has asked us to do, to do acts of goodness, of kindness, of chesed, of mercy, and uh, so on. All of these things he's asked us to do and to help him with the completion of the project of making this world a wonderful and beautiful and great and fantastic place. We are his workers, but God obligates himself by putting us in his employ, by telling us that we are his employees, and the attitude that we can adopt when we look at it as being the employees is that we need to make sure 
And we need to demand that God rewards us properly. And we can demand that God rewards us properly, that he pays us correctly, and that we make sure that we are beautifully, wonderfully, and well looked after for the coming year. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Great to be back with you as we are heading towards the latter part of our show and our time together on Judaism 101.9 this afternoon. A third possible relationship that we have with the Almighty if we are not slaves and we don't see ourselves as employees. Perhaps we do see ourselves and we need to see ourselves as partners. We're told that when we say the Vayachulu on a Friday night, when we say the uh, com- when we talk about the completion of God's will on a Shabbat, that actually we become partners with the Almighty in the creation. What does it mean? We continue God's creation. And when we give credence to the fact that God created the world as he did in the sixth day and rested on the seventh and we celebrate Shabbat and we do all of that, we become partners with the Almighty. Shutfim, we become partners. Now, there is a law that deals with a partnership that actually parallels our own joint endeavor with the Almighty, and it goes as follows. This is from the Mishnah Torah, Laws of Agents and Partners, as well as in the Talmud, Boba Metziah. It tells us that if a person gives eggs to a chicken farmer so that he seat his chickens on them until they hatch, and then he raises the chickens, with the understanding, the chicks, the babies, with the understanding that the profit is to be divided between them, he is obligated to also pay him his labor and feeding costs. So think about it. To have the chicken farmer hatch the eggs and raise the chicks solely for the promise of profit would be a violation of the prohibition against usury. Think about it. When God gives us a world to develop and perfect as a profit-sharing venture, the Torah law therefore mandates that he has to provide us with the daily expenses that our work entails. God has to provide for us. So even as partners, it's not just a straight profit share. It's not just here that because we are doing the final stages, so God gives us the wheat and we have to make the bread, God gives us the raw product and we have to complete. God gave us um, this uh, beautiful, wonderful world and we need to make it into a very, very special and brilliant and beautiful place. And as we do with our Torah, our mitzvot, our acts of kindness, our goodness and so on. In everything that we do, we need to understand as well that God understands that the concept of a shutaf, of a partner, is that he still needs separately to be paid for his labor, for his work, as well as for his expenses, the expenses that he incurs towards this partnership. It doesn't come out of the profits. The profits is something different. So even though we are going to and hopefully will very soon enjoy the full benefits of this world that God has given us and the full benefits of the lives that we have led and all those <clears throat> lives that have been led before us and leading up until now, we will get the ultimate profit share together with God, with, together with the Almighty in the future. 
right now we are deserving of God looking after us, of God making sure that we're clothed, that we're fed, that we're taken care of. There is an obligation, no matter which way you look at it, upon the Almighty to see to it that we're cared for, whether we are slaves, whether we are workers, laborers, or whether we are partners with God in the creation of this world, in the sustenance of this world, and in the growth and the flourishing of this world that we're living in. So no matter which level, no matter which way we look at it, there is an obligation on God to take care of us. We're not being chutzpahdik. We're not being cheeky. We're not being audacious when we say, God, you owe us. It's uh, obligatory for God to look after us, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that we should be ungrateful. It doesn't mean that we should take it for granted. We've got to remember that it, all of these things are still dependent on our working, on our making sure that we put in the hard yards, that we put in the uh, the work, that we put our um, shoulders to the yoke, that we push forward, that we make sure that we're accomplishing, that we're achieving. And it's not only achieving in a spiritual sense in the way of Torah and mitzvot, but that we are in fact productive and good members of this society, that we are seeing to it that the society can and does flourish, that we are making sure that we're taking care of all the things that we need to do as citizens of this world, whether as slaves or as workers or as partners. We'll be back with you to sum up just after that. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Welcome back. Yes, we're exploring today the relationship that we have with the Almighty, perhaps from a different maverick, unusual point of view, thinking about what actually is our relationship with the Almighty and in what way do we actually deserve that God should take care of us, look after us and so on. Well, some might say, you know, God brought us into being and much like a parent has an obligation to look after their children, so God has an obligation to look after us. Yes, and you may be quite correct, except there comes a time when we become adults and that's when we become bar and bat mitzvah and we actually become responsible. We become responsible citizens and we too have a godly soul and we need to make sure that that godly soul is dominant. We need to make sure that we are doing the stuff that God put us here to do, that we are taking care of our labor, that we're taking care of our work, that we're not uh, sitting back and waiting for um, God Almighty to just deliver and, uh, you know, we the proverbial waiter who's waiting for the check at the end of the month, that's not what defines us. That's not what we're actually all about. We are either slaves and we are either employed and have to spend our lives perhaps uh, paying some sort of proverbial spiritual debt. But at the same time, we're absolutely entitled to be cared for, to be looked after, to be treated properly, just like Slaves need to be treated properly, or perhaps we can see ourselves as laborers, as people who are working for a corporate. We're working on the job. It's not actually ours. We don't uh, necessarily feel that we kind of have a vested interest. We have a share in the business, but we are truly um, employees, and employees too are deserving of proper, proper care and being looked after properly by the employer. 
or we could view ourselves perhaps as being partners. And when we're partners, not only do we have a promise of a share in the world to come, a promise of the real, real profits that, and that's with the FIT, profits that are going to be declared at the end of it all when uh, the dividends are paid and when everybody is actually or every part of this world is actually finally sorted out when Mashiach will come and so on. But actually along the way, here too, even the partners need to be properly remunerated. They need to be properly taken care of. They need to get their proper sustenance along the way. And so when it comes to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it comes to these days of Elul, let's make sure that we're applying ourselves correctly. Let's make sure that we are perhaps at the same time as we are slaves, let's be workers and let's be partners. Let's see the interest and let's see the vested interest that we are applying and the demand, therefore, for the result of the profit as well as the proper proper sustenance and blessing that we really, really know that we deserve along the way. And hopefully very, very soon we will be blessed with a a beautiful and wonderful, wonderful year that lies ahead, a much, much better year um, than the one that preceded it. And please, God, hopefully it will be the year in which we will see the fruition of it all, that real profit, the profit of the coming of Mashiach, May it be speedily in our time. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead and a great rest of the week. And I look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.